can you please introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Faye Waddington and I am a 63-year-old woman who happened to be involved in a recent boycott, divestment and sanctions campaign activity in Brisbane back in August. I believe that you made a complaint to the press about an article that was written in The Australian about that campaign. Yes, that's right. Um, the the um, activity happened on a Saturday morning and I didn't think much more about it until someone um, mentioned to me that there had been an article printed in The Australian on the following Thursday. And I had a look at the article and I couldn't believe it was describing the same things that I participated in on Saturday. Huge headlines saying, um, shoe shop targeted for daring to sell Israeli shoes and um, it said about 50 members of a group um, staged this action outside this shoe shop and they had to be told to leave by police. They spent three hours outside threatening to return each weekend and then he had a quote from some um, Bernie Ripoll, whoever he is, he must be the member for Oxley, and he said, and he wasn't even there, these people are extremists, he said. And um, and then they got someone from the Executive Council of Jury um, down in Sydney, I presume, or Melbourne, wherever they happened to be, but they weren't in Brisbane, and he said, it's, an outrage- it's outrageous that a gang of protesters invaded a shop, tried to dictate dictate to the owner what product she may or may not sell and then bullied the owner with threats of further harassment. Now, I couldn't believe that this was this, this article in the paper was describing the, the activity I was involved in on the previous Saturday. So I, as a result, I, I wrote to the Australian and I wrote to the press council and, uh, and voiced, you know, my concerns about how a journalist could print this this garbage. The shoe shop that you're talking about is in Brisbane and the mm-hmm. paper is a national newspaper and mm-hmm. they were drawing on sources outside of Brisbane and people who weren't there and present at the actual shoe shop. Exactly. Could yes. you describe what actually happened at the shoe shop and where yes. the report sure, was in I'd error? Sure, I'd love to. Um, uh, to give you a brief outline, someone had come up with this clever idea of getting together like we're a group of tourists following a tour guide and uh, we were going to stop in front of or at various shops that sold products that were targeted as part of this boycott, divestment and sanctions campaign and this shoe shop happened to be number two uh, on on the list, and so we we pulled up our, uh, you know we, we we walked along the footpath and we stood outside and uh, and then uh, one of the members of the group outside read this um, like statement as to why we we are targeting this particular shoe, and then uh, that would have taken maximum of ten minutes, probably less, and then the tour leader said, "Does anybody want to come inside with me while we hand this letter over to the owner to explain what we were doing here today?" And I said, "Yeah." I'll do that. So only two of us went inside the shop, and we really couldn't find anybody in in um, charge. And so we said, "Look, let's just leave it on the on the counter," which we did. And at this by this stage, I noticed that a police officer had come in, but they they had were outside um, as well because they know when we're doing these things and they follow us around. And so anyway, we left the shop. We would have been oh, no more than five minutes inside the shop, and then we trotted off down the street to the next. 
um, place we were targeting, which was inside David Jones. So I would say that we were outside at that particular shop 10 minutes at the most while we were reading the statement as to why we're there and less than five minutes inside and no one told us to leave and we never went back near the place. I was, I was home by by 10 past 1 having caught the train and yet according to this article I was you know uh, carrying on like some sort of jihadist outside the store threatening people who who were going in trying to buy my shoes it's quite outrageous I noticed that the article that you refer to by Christian Kerr Mm -hmm. it no relation to me by the way (laughs) (laughs) Um, that it actually talks about it it quotes the owner of the shoe shop saying that we were in the store Mm -hmm. and that we'd been outside it for three hours mm-hmm. uh, and by your account that was only 10 minutes and then you, you described that our group was more like um, a group of tourists on a walking tour that was t- trying to highlight particular products that produced in Israel um, by Palestinian labour and that this is a means of this boycott divestments and sanction is a means of putting pressure on Israel. I wonder if you could tell me you know why did why did we actually target that particular shoe shop and that shoe, that brand of shoe? There's a growing list of products that, that we um, are boycotting um, for the re- same reason as these shoes. Now, they're called Noat shoes, and they're closely linked economically to Israel's occupation of the Palestinian territories. They have a factory outlet store in one of those illegal, um, we call, they call them settlements, but they're not really settlements, um, on, on occupied Palestinian territory between Jerusalem and Hebron. And there's about 70,000 um, Jewish Israeli colonists living there on land that really, uh, under the UN petition plan, was supposed to be part of um, the Pal- a Palestinian state. So that's technically why we boycott that, um, you know, that particular brand of shoe. And we moved on uh, after there to uh, David Jones because they carry um, like a soda stream, which again, the same thing. It's uh, um, it's benefiting. It's benefiting these people who shouldn't even be living on that land and making things worse for Palestinians who are trying to achieve you know, a state of their own. You were in the shop, and I don't know whether you actually spoke to the owner, but for some reason she went along with the inaccuracies in the mm. actual article and she exaggerated and said that we were a bunch of extremists and that she was never going to you know be held up to ransom by these people and they're in her store and they did all these horrible things none of mm. which actually occurred now why do you think she would want to support this no at shoe i mean surely wouldn't it be the best thing for a shopkeeper if if she really believed that she was going to be greatly inconvenienced by all these protesters as she portrays wouldn't it be better just to take the shoes off the shelves and well that's interesting because um when we went inside the shop there were it's a very small shop and there were um, a couple of people being served and we had no idea who was the owner who was who was staff whatever but uh and we we were looking for someone to give the letter to and we saw this little like it looked like where the till was and that sort of thing and so i said to the 
guy who went in with me, why don't we leave it here? And this little voice came from, like, where you go, where they store their shoes, saying, they're very good shoes, you know, and they, and they don't lose, use glue and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I said, look, you know, they might be good shoes, but, you know, is there another one, another type of shoe that you can stock that, 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 you know, that isn't so detrimental to, uh, to the people of Palestine? But there wasn't much chance for dialogue, but I gather that could have been the shoe shop owner. But as I said, we, we just, not knowing it was her, I said to the man who was with me, with me, Phil, let's just leave it on this counter and, 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 and get on with the next one. We don't, we don't want to make a, we don't want to make a fuss about this because we don't want to alienate people like this shoe shop owner. We're hoping that they will, um, embrace this because if enough people embrace the campaign to boycott divestment and sanctions, then, um, Palestinians might achieve their goal. But so in answer to your question, I think she was probably shocked. She wasn't expecting it, and it is a, and it is a bit of a, um, you know, when someone people come in um, and and you know confront you on this. But it, it wasn't an extremist confrontation. In fact, we let, the letter we left her um, is quite polite. It just um, said your business has been identified as stocking goods that are under international boycott because they were made in Israel or in illegal Israeli settlements within the occupied territories. And it goes on explaining. How, what the campaign is, and it finishes with this very polite. Um, we therefore respectfully ask that you stop importing and selling goods from Israel. So you know, this, so these were the threats. Like the way Christian Kerr wrote the article, it sounded like we were standing there, like um, some mafia type people saying if you don't stop selling these shoes we're going to come back here and break your bloody arms off um, whereas it was a very a polite letter and we left but I should think she probably maybe one of the customers said God, what was all that about and uh, they said well you should try and get some publicity out of this and so I think that's probably what happened because I didn't uh, Christian Kerr's article said you know this shoe shop deserves our support in these tough economic times so I think she probably thought I'll get a bit of publicity out of this and I don't blame her um, you know like it wasn't what we hoped would happen but these things are going to take time but I blame the journalist because if he was anything resembling a, an investigative journalist he would have try to make inquiries to verify things like three hours of intimidation. Now, you could have got, done that by going to um, nearby um, shops or, like, there's apartment blocks upstairs. Um, he could have gone to the police because they were with us for the duration of the, of the um, uh, you know, of the tour. You know, in answer to your question, I'm not blaming the store owner. Um, she probably ha um, you know, saw there's an opportunity to maybe generate a bit of sympathy business. I totally blame the bias of the press, particularly the Australian, which has a dreadful track record um, being uh, showing a bias towards Israel. Now, you made a complaint to the Australian and I believe to the press council. Yes. What came of that complaint? Okay, well, I wrote to both uh, simultaneously as soon as I had a chance to sit down and, and you know, work out, you know, all the things I was upset about. Um, I have never um, re received a reply from the Australian. I, I sent it originally by snail mail and by fax, um, and then I, about three weeks later, I wrote across the top, resent 
uh, would appreciate an answer and sent it again. But I did get a call back uh, within a couple of days from the press council who said, uh, we are terribly busy, there's a lot of complaints going on at the moment, we'll, we'll get back to you. And I said, okay, thanks a lot, you know, I can't ask much more. And they did get back to me, this was early October, um, they, sorry, this was um, when the action happened, um, yeah, it would have been... Uh, um, I the think action the action happened actually at the happened August. at the end yeah. of August, that's right, yep. yeah. Yeah, um, and the article went in early September, so I would have wrote early September. Uh, but anyway, about the 8th of November, I got a phone call, another phone call from the uh, press council saying, OK, can we just run through a, f- uh, through a few things again, but we're going to actually lodge an official complaint with the Australian. And so they sent me through a copy of um, the, the complaint uh, on which they intended to on forward to the Australian. And I haven't heard a word from anybody since then. So I'm not holding my breath, but I still feel um, it's important to raise these issues to let newspapers know that people out here in the great, among the great unwashed um, are not going to put up with this sort of... Um, crap, for want of a better word. And then if the press council gets enough complaints um, about bias on a particular topic with a particular newspaper, it could be just the sheer volume that causes them to take action. But as I said, I'm not holding my breath, but I had to do it because I was just so incensed about someone who wasn't even there could could um, tell these outrageous lies and then get other people who weren't there to substantiate the lies by saying, oh, these people are extremists. And uh, and I felt like when I was talking to a neighbour about it that I was some sort of jihadist, you know? It's, uh, uh, you know, so I, I feel I had to do it. Now, there was one interesting thing about the article. It didn't name the shoe, the Noat shoe. Um, now, that, if... If an article tries to be sort of fair-minded and even-handed, if they'd actually named the shoe, then the reader could do their own research. You know, they could look up and see whether your claims and our claims were that the Noat shoe is actually produced in settlements in occupied Palestine. So they could go and see if that's true, and they can also see what exactly is going on. But by taking the line that they did, the Australian really only showed their you know their fanciful kind of caricature of people who are going around on a walking tour as these extremists mm. um so where do they you know the the press council talks about and journalists they talk about balance where do you find the balance in an article such as this um about palestine well, there, there isn't any balance. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't find any balance at all. But um, I would say the reason why these sort of articles um, happen, this bias, is because um, Rupert Murdoch owns the Australian. Now, Rupert Murdoch um, has made his bias towards Israel so so apparent that I'm sure journalists who work for him 
know what side their bread is buttered on. And if you want to keep your job in these very tough times where journalists in the, like, um, the old-fashioned old media of, of, of newspapers are being laid off left, right and centre, you want to make sure that you write an article that the Supreme Leader would uh, approve of. And um, as I said, Rupert Murdoch has appeared in front of um, what is called the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, APAC they call it, um, and uh, he's, he's, he's made it clear that he, he is uh, a firm supporter of Israel. And that's the only, that is the only reason I can think of why the bias towards um, uh, Israel is so prominent, particularly in the Australian. I'm reminded of an article in The Australian at an earlier um, BDS protest. We went to Max Brenner. Uh, there's a chocolate shop in South Bank. We went there from a park and it was raining and we were confronted by these... Because Max Brenner um, produces these you know, Israeli products. And um, so we went along there and we were confronted by about a hundred screaming sort of counter-protesters and one of the one of the people in the melee that was screaming out at us was a, a Logan City Councillor by the name of Heinel Black she yelled out towards us she said that we were baby killers that was reported in the Australian now I'm not sure whether it was Christian Kerr who wrote that article but it was a similarly biased article which only reports one side. Mm. And, and this particular Logan City Councillor was making a big deal of yelling out all this abuse that's something that, you know, not in your wildest dreams, a bit like the, the inc- incident that you talk about in the shoe shop. No one in, you know, if there were police present and these people, uh, you know, us, we were there and were extremists surely would we would have been arrested you know exactly. and and when we went to max brenner because we were confronted by essentially a violent crowd one person ran into our midst and knocked down one of our signs confronted by that we just decided we would withdraw to the park so and and there were no arrests so these particular kinds of protests they never have the character of violence that is portrayed in the, you know, the press like the Australian. No, you're right. You're so right there, Ian. And and what and the point I keep on making is, what, like, what else can the Palestinians do? Then they're not allowed to to shoot rockets. They're not allowed to suicide bomb. So all we could so, but this is a non-violent way to. Um, to let the world know, uh, you know, to, to try and help them. Like, I worked in South Africa, and I remember, I'm, I'm old enough to remember um, uh, boycotting um, French perfumes after the, um, uh, the, the nuclear testing in, um, by the French in the, in the Pacific and, and the bombing of the, um, the Rainbow Warrior. Um, and so these, you know, and, and these sort of things do work, and they're non-violent, and... But I think maybe um, um, Israel is concerned because they are uh, the BDS is gaining traction and it's gaining gaining traction a lot faster than say in South Africa. Um, it maybe took about 
you know, 20 years or something like that. And, and this time, I think it was only 2005 when, when Palestine asked us. It wasn't, it wasn't us, our idea, uh, like us people, us people who were supporters of Palestine to say, we're going to do this for you. They asked us to embrace this BDS. And more and more, um, um, people are coming on board um, and these little you know, these little protests are all part of a, you know, a bigger overall picture and I tried writing to um, every company in the, uh, on the, in the Israeli Chamber of Commerce saying, do you realise there's a BDS campaign and you know, would you consider not you know, dealing with Israel and I got no replies so you know, I thought well, they're just looking at, upon me as some sort of you know, weirdo, one off so that's why I decided to become involved in these um, in, in these actions. But I'm not a violent person, and I've, I've run my own business for years, so I'm very conscious of not uh, disrupting anybody else's business while while we're doing this. Yes. And this particular shoe shop was a long way away from um, the main um, shopping mall in town, so like no one else's business was was disrupted. But you just can't win, you know. The um, as I said, the media is so pro um, pro Israel, and they can then pull these voices from like this Bernie where he is Whipple, this this I don't know, I don't even know who this guy is, or, or this this executive council of Australian Jewry. But you know, I, I am comforted by the fact there are more and more Jews who are standing up and saying what the, the BDS is right, what Israel is doing is wrong, and they can't get their voice heard either. If I could give you a quick example, there was um, Alain Pape, who's a, um, an Israeli professor, was touring Australia recently. Now, he grew up in Israel. He's very... Um, so he, 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 you know, he grew up in the Zionist philosophy, but he realised that you know, there were so many lies. And so now he's terribly pro-Palestinian. And he came to Australia and he gave a National Press Club address and I went down to Canberra to hear it um, and there were no press in the audience like you think the press club would be full of press the audience was full of people like me who were just there because they you know they wanted to support this man who who, who has you know stood up against his own background his own family he's, he's not allowed into Israel anymore he can now teach us in, uh, in Britain but there were no press there um, and then this uh, National Press Club address of his speech, which was brilliant, was supposed to be repeated on um, on Radio National on the Saturday. And I told a few friends of mine who who don't understand what I'm doing. You know, they think I'm you know you know because I haven't been on the journey that I've been on. Who who started off as pro-Israel um, and, and now pro-Palestinian? And I said, what's you know what's the press club address on Saturday? They didn't put it on. And so, you know, so I emailed and said, why didn't you put it on? Oh, something more important came up. So, you know, this is what we're up against. You know, you, this, this man couldn't have his voice heard on, on Radio National. I, the press council, um, they often put on uh, talks and I watch them on TV and they're broadcast simultaneously with the actual yes. speaker. In yes. this case, they didn't broadcast oh, it. Yes, no, sorry, they did, they did broadcast it that day, but that's a Wednesday. Most people are at work at 12.30, but they always repeat it on... Um, it, it's shown live on um, ABC One, uh, uh, and then they repeat it on ABC 24 on the Saturday, and that's the day most people, you know, might be home, not at work. Yes. And um, so I thought that would have gained a bigger audience, and so I was telling people like my brother and my, 
you know, other people, what's this showing? You'll see why I'm, you know, yes. you know why I, I, I feel the way I am. This man is so brave. This man is so articulate. Please listen to him. And they said, he didn't come on. <laughs> so what do you do? So they basically they just blacked him out. They blacked him out, yes. yes. And there were no reports in the Australian that I saw no, said, no journalist. I was hoping, I went particularly down to see him speak, not only for moral support, but I thought, oh, maybe Christian Kerr will be in the audience. And he, yes. you know, he's a, he's a member of the press. He might be there, want to hear, want to hear the other side of the story. But no, no, there were no press at the press club. And I was just um, dumbstruck. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, well, I'll leave it. If anybody is out there listening who might be, um, you know, wanting to embark on this journey, they're not too sure, you know, what side to take. If you only, at this stage, read books written by Jews, like what these people have got a lot to lose by, by standing up, like they're, often they find themselves alienated from their family, from their country, just go to the library and get out a book called The General Son by Nico Peled. And Nico toured, toured Australia, um, and he, he's virtually from Israeli sort of royalty, but he's done a complete turnaround, and he, he speaks articulately, uh, with, you know, quite articulately, and writes well about it. And start the journey that I started, you know, a dozen years ago, and, um, you know, and maybe join one of our protests one day. Yes. Thank you very much, Faye. That was oh, thank really you for the good. opportunity. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.